Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be present. May your voice be heard loud. I pray that that marks our community, that your voice is heard loud. That when we don't hear you, Lord Jesus, we just ask for that. So have your way. Amen. Um, if you guys want to grab coffee, do it. I'm going to keep going, but uh, if you want to grab coffee or go to the bathroom, feel free. Um, but you guys, uh, this has been super fun for me. I've told many of you guys I've loved the park the last three weeks. It's been fun to be gathered and actually do it in a park and have opportunities for other people to join in. Um, I think Dave's word last week is, I think, a key piece. He talked a lot about hearing God and the reasons for it. And I think that would be my encouragement for all of us to keep leaning in and even hearing Lisa say, like, the mundane, like, hey, let's actually hear God in the mundane. Yeah. Oh, well, guys, I was going to say this. It, she turns three this week, so if you uh, see her, she's a big girl. So, hey, you got to go back home, okay? But anyway, I feel like this journey Dave even talked about is like this idea of following Jesus is this heart of like combining the three loves, of like communing and worshiping together as a family um, hearing from the Lord together as a family, and then this idea of being on mission. And part of my heart today is to talk about this idea of what mission looks like and what it means to engage people. And uh, even the idea, more so the heart today, is even what Ben was saying, of just like, do we see with the eyes that Jesus sees the world? And I think in the season, as we go into scattered season, like we're going to be in the midst of a scattered time, when our country actually feels probably disunified, you know, like November might bring some disunity in our country. Um, and I feel like my huge heart is, I feel like the Lord say, no, the church is actually to bring unity and unconditional love and be able to listen to people on both sides of, if it's ideas of COVID or politics or race or whatever, like, are we people who can actually be sounded and lower ourselves to the level of people to listen and actually see people through the eyes of Jesus. I think that's my hope for today uh, because people long for that. They long to be seen, you know, and I think God more than anything is calling us to see people, like go out of our way to see people. I think one aspect of the church that I've seen for our body is I feel like this idea of being in Colorado, you know, we're almost up to the trailhead, like we're all going for a hike, and I feel like we just made it to the trailhead, where we're all like, oh, we're in family, and I feel like we're gonna branch off and start hiking the trail, and part of this scattered season for us is to actually start hiking the trail, like really what it means, boots on the ground all of our life to follow Jesus and pursue people. So I guess as I talk today, I guess I ask the Holy Spirit to come to each one of us of almost, I would say, a people group or a person who actually needs an encounter with Jesus, who needs actually a taste of this peace, hope, love that Ben has, and for us to actually start seeing that face in, 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 in my head, in our heads, you know, like God bring a people to our mind where I'm supposed to like change the trajectory of my life maybe over the next four months in simple ways to engage them. And maybe engaging means listening 
whatever it means, I think it's like we're actually supposed to go pursue people. Because part of this idea of following Jesus is actually following him, actually doing what he did. And uh, I think that's where I'm at. I I think of a few stories. I'm going to be in uh, Mark chapter 2. So you can go there if you want. Uh, But a few stories as we start come to my head. They're... uh, I'm from this town of uh, Moe's from there, a very Christian town. And I went, uh, a handful of years ago, I went home and I went uh, frothing or golfing or frisbee golfing, and I'm really bad at it. And I met this guy, he was, uh, uh, his name was Paul, and he was wearing flip-flops. And Paul actually had this big tattoo across his feet that just said F-U on it. <laughs> And I looked at him, I go, oh, cool tattoo. He goes, no, it's so sweet. Like, I put it outward, so when people, like, look at me, they can actually read it. Isn't that awesome? And I'm like, (laughs) totally sweet, dude. But he invited me to froth with him, and he's quite good, and I'm not. And in the midst of it, like, he started sharing his story with me, and my antennas went up of, like, oh, how do I see this guy? And I actually just started speaking hope and joy and almost gospel to him. And by the end of our little round of where I lost three Frisbees, he goes, dude, you want to come over to our house? And actually, I want to gather a group of friends and you just retell that story. And uh, he lived in the trailer park in this place called Alton near my home. And he invited me in. It was so hospitable. It felt very much like Jesus. And invited me in, actually, I felt one of them. He invited me in almost to the extent I was one of them. And it started from acknowledging his tattoo, not correcting his tattoo, but actually seeing him as a person. And I just started thinking about us as believers, we're meant to see people. Like, who are the people God wants you to see and let them know that they're seen? I think of another guy here in town, his name's Dan, and he's a tattoo artist. And he was in our friends, in our house church before the Swensons and stuff came here. And I hadn't seen him for years. And just this spring, he called me and he was coming off hard drugs. And uh, he, he wanted to hang out with me because he remembered the gospel that we shared in our house. So he just wanted to tell me, Matt, like, I haven't seen him for years. But he's like, Matt, I wanted to tell you this is what I'm striving to do. I'm going to like groups to get off these things. My life is going to be different. And it was because, why? He saw hope. He was seen in those groups, you know? And uh, I think of another guy who Tanya and I, when we were first married, hung out with a guy named Fireman Dave. And maybe if some of you have heard of him, he was a, he was a, uh, he has practiced witchcraft. He lives downtown. He's this tiny guy who wore a fireman jacket everywhere he went. And, uh, he was a, a warlock. I don't know quite what that means, but he told me he's a warlock Wiccan. But for some reason, he just wanted to keep hanging around our community, I think because he was seen. He was somebody in our community, and when he's seen, he wants to be part of it. And because he hung out with our community, I remember he, he invited Tanya and I to give back, and he learned what it meant to share meals, so he invited Tanya and I to go share a meal in his apartment that was full of smoke, and he gave us this terrible bottle of wine for Christmas, and, uh, and it was terrible, but it was the heartbeat of like, he saw something and he started to try to emulate it. And to me, I'm just like, people are longing to actually be seen. And part of our call is actually to be part of God's story to bring that to people. 
There's a guys. I read a, I read this memoir a handful of years ago by Sting, and uh, old dude now, but it was a New York bestseller, and it's epic. The very first chapter starts out with him longing for a spiritual experience, and he said, "I've never had one before." So the first chapter is him going to Brazil, riding in a little jeep deep into the rainforest to drink some gooey potion to have like a significant encounter with the Lord. And this is what he says in one of his lines. It's incredible. There's two, there's two uh, lines I want to read. Where's 14? This is what he said. He said, I've never had a genuine religious experience before. I say this with some regret. I paid lip service to the idea, certainly, but a devastating, ego-destroying, ontological epiphany I simply have not had. And I think so many of the world is just looking. Like, I want to be seen. I want something inside of me to know that I'm bigger than death. And I think the gospel answers this question. And I think for all of us to feel the weight, like God's not just calling us to have like kumbaya in the circle, he's calling us outward. And the reason we're going to be scattered is to actually give away what's in the depth of our hearts, you know? Like it's, and it's not out of like guilt or shame, but it's out of invite. These people are like, no, 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 coons are come hang out with me because there's something different. I don't even know what it is, but I want it, you know? And, uh, I think that's what Jesus said. He incarnated himself into people's lives who were different. Um, he saw people. He engaged people's life. And there's a little weightiness and call on our lives to do that. So I, I'll repeat again. My hope for this is the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you or bring faces to in your mind of who actually, during this scattered season, you're actually supposed to go see, engage with, encourage. Um, I think one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 63.3 is a verse that's rang true for me. And it says, God's love is better than life. Better than life. I've never tasted anything better. And that's why I praise Him. That's why I do mission. And I think for so long, like this idea of mission has pushed like people like it's a guilt thing or a shame thing or a you better do it to be a good person and I feel like no out of the overflow like I think over my life in my 20s like missions I did was just because I've never tasted anything better and I want other people to taste the same like it's like a no I want Dan Stumpert this tattoo artist to taste the goodness of the king in the midst of coming off drugs you know I want this guy named Paul to taste the goodness of the king and to feel known. Um, it's not out of guilt. So I'll go to this, you guys. I'm going to track a guy named Levi through scripture a little bit. So if you guys are following along, it's Mark chapter 13, or chapter 2, verse 13. So it says, uh, and I'll, I'll just read through uh, five verses. He went out again, uh, this is Jesus with his disciples, went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector. And he said to him, follow him. And he rose and he followed him. And he reclined at the table. 
in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus at the table. For, the, uh, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes and Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to Jesus, Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? And when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick I have come to call to righteousness. Uh, I, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner. Um, guys, Levi to me is remarkable. He's one of those. He's a guy who actually, he's doing a job that gets ridiculed every day. People probably encounter him every day and give him money because they have to and actually make fun of him on the spot. He's a nobody. He's not acknowledged. He's doing a job where he's probably wealthy, has a lot of money, but he probably has very few friends. Very few people see him. They just see an issue. And I think this is the first thing Jesus talks when we see people. Specifically, I think in this time period, like... We're in political turmoil. Are you Republican, Democrat? Are you this? Do you like Trump? Don't like Trump? And people are hardcore about it, depending where you go. And when we talk about those things, do, do we talk about an issue or do we actually see a person's face when we're talking about them? If I would say an issue becomes more important than the person you're talking with, I think we miss the gospel. I think we miss it. Like for us to actually incarnate what Jesus just did, lowered himself. He didn't correct Levi first and say, Levi, make sure you stop stealing from people. Make sure you stop. No, no, he just said, dude, I see you and I love you. Do you want a different life? And he didn't correct him first. He listened to his story. And I, I just wonder for us, like whatever view, if you're a huge Trump fan or not a Trump fan, are you willing to listen to somebody who has a different perspective or is the issue of you correcting them more important than that person? And if we as a community during this season, like scattered season going November 1st, can't actually listen with no strings attached, I think we have a heart issue in our own heart that Jesus needs to come in and say, like, actually you're loved, be loved, see people. Invest in them, listen, and learning how to see them. I said, Jesus said to Akshal's disciples, like, love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor, right? And I would say, in this case, he's modeling to his disciples, like, if you love somebody, you need to actually truly love their story. That means not correct their story. It means love their story. And to love someone's story means you're fascinated with somebody's story. If you're fascinated, that means you'd actually learn how to ask questions. You'd dig in. You'd want to learn. And I would say, if you're not fascinated with someone's story, I would say you probably don't love them. And that's a heart condition of ours. You know, it's a heart piece which, which we're missing. And I would say for us to actually walk up the trail past this, you know, this like, we got to the trailhead. If we're going to walk up the trail, Jesus is going to ask us to lay down our agendas actually see people and I, I think that's going to take some prayer because there's you're going to see something and I hit this like two uh in in July I had a conversation with somebody where I got fired up to the point where I was like shaking over like political and some of the race stuff and I'm like this is not healthy I'm putting too much identity in the issue compared to the person I was talking to and I left for a run and I was offended 
And I'm just like, oh, that's not the heart of Jesus. That isn't it. Um, I'm reading this book called Everybody Communicates, But Few Connect. Have you guys read it? It's, it's awesome. It's by, uh, is it John Maxwell? Some, some Maxwell guy. Is it John? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, John Maxwell. But he talks, he talks about these, like every person you encounter, like if it's Paul with the F.U. tattoo, if it's your in-laws who have different uh, political views, if it's your direct family who has different views on race stuff, what, if it's your next door neighbor, like everybody's asking these questions when you come to him. He gives three questions. They say, every person when you encounter him, even the clerk at the store is saying, do you care about me? They say, can you help me and can I trust you? And, uh, and even if they don't know it, we're all asking that. Like, do you actually love me? And I think what's crazy is like genuine love or fake love is easily seen. Like people can tell if you're actually faking it. And I think the key way to actually genuinely loving people and showing people that is to actually change your heart and genuinely love them. And if there's a burden in your heart towards somebody, this is where we go to prayer in these scattered seasons that God, change my heart and let me love the Republican. Change my heart and let me love the Democrat. Lord Jesus, change my heart and let me actually see race in a different way. Or actually let me see the urban or the, 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 um, the, uh, like the rural farm town different change my heart and I think until we don't can't get there to beg us to change our heart to genuinely love people will see right from the get-go well I'm just an issue to you and now we just lost it they'll know you don't care I think one of the biggest things that uh, hold all of us back from actually encountering people if it's asking the store clerk their name or the tax collector like Jesus literally had to say hey what's your name and he probably said it's Levi, right? So often we just go to Home Depot and we're just like, oh, specifically there's a glass shield up now. We actually don't say a word to them. We click our card. We walk out. Don't we see people? Don't we see people? I would say the biggest thing that holds us back from actually engaging is actually not doing what Jesus, I think, did. Jesus, the remarkable thing about him, everywhere he went, he knew he was deeply loved and cherished. The biggest boundary or barrier, I think, for us to bring kingdom or seeing people is not assuming we're loved. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you go to your buddy who's like, you know he's stoked about you, you're like, even Russell, I don't see him much, but he fist me. I'm like, yes, like... He at least likes me, you know? <laughs> but then, you know, when somebody standoffish, you're like, oh, I don't know what they think. So then what do you do? You're standoffish. But if you deeply know someone loves you, you just like, you don't even think about it. You pursue them and actually, what's up? You know? And I think that's what Jesus, every person he actually met with, he assumed he was loved. He's like, oh, Levi the tax collector. He must think I'm awesome. I think once we know we're awesome, like we actually will talk to more people. We'll actually engage them and ask them questions without having to defend our issue from the get-go. 
And I think that would be a big barrier for us actually answering that question, do you care about people? Because almost as Christians sometimes, we make people prove to ourselves that they like me for me to actually prove back that I care about them. I think we're the ones initially meant to know you're loved as a child of God. Like look at people, see them immediately and assume you're loved. And I think that's the starting point when we're scattered to actually say, do I assume I'm loved because I'm a daughter of the king or a son of the king? God, I don't today. Like, God, let me hear your voice change my heart because I need to assume I'm loved today. Uh, the next question they always ask is, can you help me? I think this question when we encounter people is, it's actually a call for us as believers when we're scattered to actually review how God is, the story of the good news of the gospel has changed our lives. When I encountered F.U. Paul, you know, with his tattoo, like I was like going in and it like, I'm like, oh, I know God's changed my life. His love is better than life. It was like on the tip of my tongue. I didn't have a track to say to him. I didn't feel any pressure. I had to say more. But actually, like I had something to give him. I wasn't trying to sell them. You know the difference when even you go on the street, there's like a, um, I mean, people get saved this way, but a track person or the bullhorn guy, you know, people do get saved, bless their hearts. But for me, I get a little offended by that because he's trying to sell me on something, right? But when you sit down with a friend and they share their weaknesses and their struggle to get there, how the good news actually has shaped their day, you're actually, your heart opens up to them. And I feel like knowing how the good news is actually intertwined with your story and actually learn that Jesus comes out of our life naturally, I think is a huge piece. Like start practicing with your neighbors. Like, oh yeah, this morning, like, let it be natural that Jesus should flow out of your mouth, not out of pressure, just because you think he's awesome. <laughs> it's like telling about a friend and you don't know how you say more than you will, but it's almost like repointing. Like, oh, I was just, yesterday I was talking to my neighbor and I was talking to him about Sabbathing. Um, because the last four weeks I haven't Sabbath, we're doing this huge patio project and it's really stupid. I should have paid for someone to do it. And my soul actually feels dead because every weekend I've actually been like working on it. I'm like, holy crap, I, and I'm short with my friends. And I told my neighbor, yeah, I'm doing it. I shouldn't have because I'm working on Sabbathing and just talk to him the process of why Sabbath is important. And he's not a believer. And I just left it at that. I wasn't trying to sell him. I just shared my life with him. He goes, oh yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, and nothing huge came out of it, but it was actually Jesus flowed out of my mouth that has actually an answer for people. It's, it's not selling. It's just like, no, this is how he's changed me. The last one I think is, uh, can, people, can people trust you? Can you trust them? And I think uh, this is what Jesus so, did so well. Like, he actually asked questions to people. I think when people have no agenda and you ask questions to their heart, they start realizing, oh, they care about me. I can trust them. They're not trying to manipulate me, you know? And uh, one thing I think, this is my interpretation. This is the only way I know how to do like Jesus is in the morning, actually, if I know I'm going to encounter people, to actually, God, uh, can you give me creativity to learn how to ask better questions? Because I don't actually relate to this type of person very well. So can you give me creativity to ask questions that make them feel valued? 
because naturally if I'm with basketball players or with like athletes or jocks that are kind of goofy and weird like I'm pretty natural at that but if I'm with you know like other kinds of people I actually need to say Lord actually give me creativity to learn how to have questions that actually value their story and I think that's sometimes hard So I think this is a call, like to see people, there's a process from inside out, but we're meant to go to them. Um, The next piece I want to bring, and I'll whip through this story quick, is uh, Levi. Instantly, you guys, it's like Paul, when Levi heard this story, what did he do? He gathered all his friends and said, let's have a party. Jesus, come to our party, and we're going to have a bunch of... Like, we're going to hang out with all my existing friends, and why don't you retell the story? It was kind of like Paul did, the F.U. Paul did with me. Once they hear good news, they're like, actually, good news is good news. What's crazy about church, I think, over my lifetime, I grew up in the church, is they teach us that this idea of evangelism is actually should be really scary. That they teach you that you're going to offend people. And I actually think, actually, good news is good news. If good news is not good news, it's probably not good news. So you actually need to pray through and work through how you're actually communicating. Because when we actually share good news with people with no pressure or strings attached, I dare believe that they actually want to lean in further. And if they're not, I would say, oh, probably pray and say, Lord, is there a different way I can bring good news? Because I don't actually think it's offensive. I think people are like Sting are longing for this experiment, experience in our city, our neighbors. And we're called to actually bring it to them. Good news is good news. And how Jesus did it, obviously it wasn't bad news because Levi's like, let me gather my friends. Let's gather friends and let's do this again. Because it's a different way to see the world. And guys, my deep prayer is that Christians, the church, do this in this season. That we're not the divisive people who are creating more division in November. That we're the people who bring unity and are willing to hear different points of view. And actually create spaces and places where good news is actually happening. And I think this is what's going to happen. Because I just have a few minutes, but... Oh, I'd love to track this. So you guys, Levi got wrecked by Jesus. I would say he probably kept his day job of being a tax collector, but lived no sacred secular. Missions happened in the midst of work. Jesus died probably three years after this and said, it's better that I leave because now the Holy Spirit, the living God is in every one of us, was in Levi. So in Acts 2, Levi was probably in this church community that shared everything in common. It was probably Levi's sinner friends where they're like, they broke bread. They did this together. And he's like, Jesus taught us. Let's keep trying to do the same. And they lived outwardly. And then at this point in you guys, Acts chapter 4, my favorite character in the Bible. His name's Joseph, old Joe. Some people call him Barnabas. Like, He was a rich farmer, very wealthy, and started to see how Levi's group of friends started just living out Jesus. And I would say Levi probably engaged him and spoke life into him. And then in a way, didn't force him. He said, well, this is what my friends are doing. Would you want to do it too? And he's like, oh, I don't know. He goes, okay, well, this is what we do because we see goodness out of it. 
And at that moment, something burned in Joe's heart. Barnabas's heart says, I want to do it too. He sold one of his fields. He probably had many more and gave it to the community. Say, let's do it. You know, and all of a sudden the story of Jesus multiplied. It went out. It scattered, right? So Barnabas became a part of this community. Now later, Barnabas, 10 chapters later, probably 10 years later, got sent out from this church and said, oh, I want to share with others too. And there's this part in Acts chapter 12 where Barnabas is hanging out in another home of people they shared the same way and said, come tell our friends, this is so good. You know, and sitting in a home and there's this young boy in there. And in that community, this young boy burning says, that's a better way to live. That's a better, that seems like it really is what it means to be human. And this little boy in Acts chapter 12 his name was John Mark. And John Mark actually said, I want to do it too. Can I be part of it? And if it wasn't for, you guys see this cool multiplication of the story? Like, it's equipping. It's not top down. It's everybody giving away scattering. John Mark is the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. If it wasn't for Levi, the sinner, no good tax collector, who didn't know how to actually do the morality right, like, there would no, be no gospel of Mark. John Mark was the one who did it. You guys spread on further. These guys got such encounter by the king. Um, Levi, it says, actually left after Jesus died to the far ends of like Christianity at the time, and he went to Ethiopia. He loved people so much there. And there was pagan worship. He gave his life. Said, this is so good, guys. This is good. Like his whole purpose of life, it wasn't Levi's life and add Jesus. It was Jesus' life that we get to be part of his story weaving through. Levi gave his life to this, to this book, to this actually good news message. And they actually, he died through actually getting towed by a horse all through town, drug all the way around town until he died. But he, at the end of his life, he's like, guys, this is good news. Later after his life, the gospel spread through Ethiopia. John Mark died in Alexandria um, through telling the gospel and saying, guys, this is good. After John Mark died, the gospel still, people are like, this is good. And guys, I think about this of like, we, we are not, it's not just a, so often I think the church, it breaks my heart, is like we get this affirmation cream. We're like, oh, we worship and it's so good and we meet in a park. But actually, it's not just like, it's not just actually saying good things to a group of friends. We actually are part of a purpose. And I run into people all the time who they long. It's actually cool to have like a purpose beyond yourself. And this thing we're engaging is actually a purpose beyond ourselves. And the reason Dave and I and uh, the rest of the core team are saying, guys, we're going to do this thing called scatter. <laughs> it's stupid. Our friends are like, our friend uh, Kevin Clone's like, well, just so you know, you won't have consistent offerings if you do that way. <laughs> we're like, oh, we probably assumed that. He goes, you'll probably lose a lot of people if you do this scatter thing. We're like, yep, yep. But the reason we do it is because I look around this room and every one of us are filled with the Spirit. Every one of us are called to actually have a purpose where we give our lives away. Amen. Yes. And we have the ability, and some of us are like, I don't know what to do. 
And I think radical, Jesus did this thing where he lowered the bar of requirements to be a follower of him, but raised the bar of responsibility. Where often the church has done the opposite, right? They're like, no, go to seminary, do all these things. He's like, no, 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 just be a tax collector who everybody hates and ridicules. Perfect, you qualify. Now gather your friends and actually speak a new way to live life. Like, it's so crazy, so countercultural to the churches we know. And that's why we're saying, oh, actually scatter. Scatter. And I guess this is my only application I want us to ask for. It's like, Lord, each one of us, will you highlight one person or one neighborhood? What's your people group for these next three months? And what am I to do about it? And I want to keep the bar low. Don't think you have to do some crazy thing. I'm like, maybe there's, maybe it's your direct neighborhood. And one of my thoughts I think I'm going to do is Friday driveway beers. So my direct neighbors where I'm going to actually just five to six, we're going to have a cooler out on my driveway. And if people want to come hang out, we're going to have driveway beers. And we're going to see if the Lord does something. Others of you with like kids, you might say, oh, we want this neighborhood. We don't have much time. But every Thursday, we're just going to go on a half hour walk just around the neighborhood and pray. Okay, do that for three months. Let's see what happens. Others of you might create a different rhythm. But I just ask for creativity. And at minimum, just one person, a people group who God's calling you to do. And maybe it's something simple like each week I'm going to pray for a word for that person. God, give me a word. And if they don't know Jesus, don't say God said it. Say, hey, I was thinking of you this morning, and this came to my mind. Like, be an encourager. We're not trying to be the bullhorn guy. We're trying to encourage, you know, and put a different way to view life in their mind. If they can handle like God said, then do that. Yeah, then say God said. But if they can't, say, I was thinking of you. But I, I just, that's how I really look at the scattered season. And many of you know we will have our normal house churches we can go to. And many of you know, eventually, I think all of you will be called in the next five years probably to lead a house church. But for now, feel free to come attend. But every one of us is called to say, who's my people group? Who are the, who are the F.U. Pauls who I'm going to go and actually hang out with and enjoy it? It's not a project. It's something that's like, actually, that Paul guy, it wasn't a project like, oh, this is so fun. I'm like in a for me, I hadn't been in the trailer park community, you know, like, and it, but they had better community than anywhere in my Orange City town. Like all the people came together and they had more vulnerability. You guys, Paul taught me vulnerability. It was really messed up, but he didn't know you're supposed to hide weakness. He literally said, oh, there's Jimmy over there. Like, yeah, their uh, their kids fail in school, and he has drug issues. We all know it in the community, you know, like, like kind of crass. But I'm like, oh, they actually are intertwined in each other's life. And in my hometown, Christianity has said, hide your vulnerability. And in that place that doesn't know Jesus, they're like, show your vulnerability, let the community know. And I'm like, I got to point out, I'm like, Paul, that's so much like the Jesus I know. That's so cool. Now there's, I could critique that and say that wasn't, it was a little messed up too, but that wasn't my job at that time. So I guess I'm going to end there and I want to um, just take a few moments to be quiet and actually ask the Lord, God, will you bring a picture or a name of one person or a group of people that I'm to choose to be responsible for this season? Um, not in a like lordship over way, but a, 
almost like Jesus a coming under way of like telling them how awesome they are, giving them a new picture. Um, does that make sense? Is that cool? Sweet. So Holy Spirit, we just ask just for like one minute, Lord Jesus, you speak fast, Lord Jesus. And we just ask for a fire to actually be scattered. Give us an excitement to be scattered. And God, I ask for that you bring people to our mind that we're actually meant to be responsible for in this season, even if they don't know it yet, that we're to love on, give our lives to, sacrifice our time to, Lord Jesus, to say my life is beyond myself. Let us walk up the trailhead. Yeah, Lord Jesus, um, have your way. May you move in this scattered season. Build excitement in our hearts, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. <laughs>